Hello, I'm Nathan Cohn, and this is the Learning Together podcast designed especially for alumni as part of the university's lifelong learning initiative. As a result of the 2020 coronavirus global pandemic, life as we know it has changed. Entire countries have been forced to rethink their economies, healthcare systems, and daily ways of life. Corporations, communities, entire families, small businesses, and nonprofits, including schools and universities like Trinity, have all been impacted by the sudden necessity to practice social distancing and often to reduce operations. In this episode, you're going to hear something very special. Stories about how the pandemic has impacted the life of our Trinity students. Life as We Know It is a special series produced by J.J. Lopez and Dr. Lisa Jasinski, featuring student producers from Trinity University's KRTU audio production course, describing life as we know it during the coronavirus pandemic. J.J. Lopez is general manager of KRTU-FM, Trinity's listener-supported jazz radio station. He's the instructor of Calm 1123, an audio production course that focuses on podcasting. And Dr. Lisa Jasinski is special assistant to the vice president for academic affairs and a higher education researcher. The two of them are going to set up life as we know it and bring you this series straight from their home studios. Well, hey, Lisa, how's it going? Hey, JJ, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. You know, I'm sitting here and we're putting the final touches on on this project. And I'm so proud of the students and the stories that they have produced for this podcast, Life As We Know It. And I just feel strongly that our listeners are going to enjoy these stories. We all know that there's not one COVID-19 story. Everyone really has their own story to tell from this moment. And what I think these student stories will show is there are these things that connect and bind us together. And there's also stories of, of optimism and hope and, and how we can all get through this. It's just a wonderful set of stories. I'm happy to share them. It's life as we know it. But before we get started, what has your semester been like? My semester has not been the semester I envisioned back in January when everything started. One of the things I do at Trinity is I serve on something called the crisis management team. And that's really a group of people that come together anytime there's some kind of disruptive event on a campus. So right around the week of spring break, things got very busy for us. And really, in the span of a week, we went from coming up with some really broad stroke scenarios, a kind of what if, what if we have to move online because of the virus? This was uh, back in mid-March. And then by the end of the week, we had really put a plan together to transition more than 1,000 classes into a synchronous remote learning environment. I'd say that it was busy, but it was challenging in some ways that I think was also really exciting. Well, tell me a little bit about how things have changed in Trinity's classrooms. It's been so interesting to watch this. So I would say that the experiences that everyone is having during COVID-19 is a very different personal and uneven response. So when I think about how things have changed in Trinity's classrooms, I think you'll see a lot of creative problem solving. Well, and outside of the world of work, how are you doing? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm doing okay. Think about some of the lessons I've learned in the last 50 days of self-isolation. And there's definitely been ups and downs, that there are times that Zoom fatigue really sets in 
or it's easy to be despairing because the world is in just such a hard place right now. But, you know, I feel like I've, I've also had some real great moments and some great insights as well. It's been nice to be home with my husband, who's a member of the Trinity faculty, and he's a professor of film. Uh, so you would imagine we are watching lots of great movies. Uh, so that's been a real highlight. And I hope that later in life, when I can look back on this period, I think of it as a time that I get to really enjoy doing things at home that I don't always have time to do when the world is up and running at full, full pace. So JJ, I know that you wear a few hats on the Trinity campus. One of those is the general manager of KRTU. Just tell me a little bit about how things have changed. It's been tough. It's about a 65-person operation to run KRTU. That includes like our community hosts that play a really large role. We have students on air. We have core staff who also are running uh, not only on-air programming, but we've got underwriting and membership, and then we've got business relationships. We've all kinds of things going on, and we've been reduced down to two people who are actually in the station. The greater staff, there's only five of us, are working remote, and we are producing off-site. Our community hosts have really stepped up and have been sending in their shows from home, which just like us uh, in our podcasting class and this conversation which we're doing through Zoom, and this entire podcast is from our home studios. We're making the best of it, and thankfully, we have a wonderful community of support, and the staff, the KRTU staff, are just incredible. Haven't missed a beat. As you think about your life right now, what's the hardest thing from being away from the Trinity campus or being away from the studio? Uh, The hardest thing about being away from the Trinity campus is just being a part of the community. Uh, I I love being around the students. I love being around my colleagues. I'm a a lifelong learner, so I am missing that environment. But I think really it's it's the community, Lisa. I really miss being around the people. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to say the people. I mean, I think the people make the place. So really, apart from your work life, how are you doing right now? Prolonged exposure to any environment can be a challenge. It does stifle creativity just a little bit. But thankfully, there's projects like uh, like the podcast and the podcasting class uh, that provide just this much-needed outlet and, and more than anything, a, a sense of purpose and goodwill. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that collaborations are so energizing. You know, so this semester, JJ, you're teaching a brand new class on podcasting. Just tell me a little bit about that course. This is the COM 1123 audio production class. And for many years, we taught studio recording. The hard part is creating a curriculum for something that really doesn't exist. I'll just mention that I've had the good fortune of being a student in the class. I've been auditing your class this semester, and I really loved it. Oftentimes in class, you'll show us some tricks and how to use software But then you send us out into the field to go tell great stories and to collect audio from all over the place. I think we are making the best of our scenario and everybody contributing to this project just makes it all that much more special. So I'm grateful, Lisa, for your participation in the class. So let's talk a little bit about this special series, Life as We Know It. What's something that you wanted to accomplish with this approach? The biggest goal for life as we know it was to create a time capsule to archive this moment, archive this moment for our students. It also emphasizes our student producers and and shines a little light on their skills, which they're all very talented. I think this moment is so confusing and overwhelming for people that giving our students a way to do some processing 
was really giving them the opportunity to explore what they were thinking about and what they were feeling. And I hope by the end of it that we all walked away from this understanding ourselves and this moment a little bit better. Well, Lisa, why are student voices important right now? I think student voices are always important. One of the things I do as a higher education researcher, I do something called qualitative research, which means that I usually do interviews and focus groups, and I really try to talk to people to understand whatever they're experiencing. As much as professors or faculty or teachers can really equip students with new skills, students are our teachers too. And I think there's a lot that we, the adults in the room, can always learn from listening to what students have to say. And giving them a platform to tell those stories felt like a really powerful thing to do. But JJ, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why do you think student voices are important right now? I'm already forecasting that one day when we think about the the COVID-19 global pandemic and we think about Trinity and we think about what was going on with the students, um, this is just an opportunity to listen to these files and think back like they had to leave campus. Some of them were forced to go work with their parents. It's just a great window into the past. It will be someday. And so I'm excited to share these stories. The last thing I'll say is that I'm a regular listener of the Learning Together podcast series. And what I love about the series is that we often get to hear from alumni and we get to hear from some of our favorite professors. But it was really nice to really make space for students and to hear their voices in these series, because I think they have something really powerful and poignant to say in this moment. We begin with two stories from producers Kaylee Lopez and Cade Blaylock. Like all of the stories and excerpts in our featured podcast, Kaylee and Cade are honest in their delivery and share with us perceptive accounts of how life at school, at home, and in the world has dramatically changed. Looking beyond their own experiences, they also reflect on how the global pandemic has impacted their sense of community. For Kaylee and Cade, this is Life as We Know It. Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. This was the last time I spoke with my counselor, Dr. Gary Neal at Trinity University. Dr. Neal does not give himself enough credit, but believe me when I tell you, he has played a crucial role in helping me get through the toughest years of my life. Our last session together took place six days after Danny Anderson announced that Trinity University would transition to remote synchronous learning. I will never forget the feeling in the pit of my stomach when one of my best friends, Mary Frances, sent me a screenshot of the email before I even had the chance to open it myself. I was in shock. I was not even sure if I should cry, scream, or just give up. I felt as though, in a moment, everything I loved was taken away from me. My on-campus leadership positions that I loved dearly would be no more. I would no longer be able to teach spin classes twice a week with TU Fit or produce and lead an amazing new show with Tiger TV. I would not be able to check in with my residents as we sit on my floor, eating snacks and just enjoying a break from our studying together. In a moment, everything had changed and there was nothing I could do about it. Before I continue, I want to acknowledge how fortunate I am. I have not been personally affected by the COVID-19 virus itself, 
and I realized the decision made by Trinity administration was necessary to prevent an outbreak among Trinity students. I am thankful they had our best interest in mind. Not a moment after I had received the news of online classes becoming my reality, I immediately opened my laptop and applied for every job imaginable. Campus closing meant that I would lose my source of income. Since my dad is a cancer fighter and battling end-stage kidney failure, asking my parents for help just wasn't an option for me. So, approximately two weeks later, I was attending an orientation for HEB, where I would soon be working in Central Checkout. Life as I knew it had completely changed. As I record this podcast, it is almost difficult to remember what my life was even like before COVID-19. My new normal involves sanitizing shopping carts and scanning groceries. Like, an endless amount of groceries. Seriously, so many groceries. Oftentimes, I am the first one in the store and the last one to leave. I walk through the empty aisles and just past clothes, I reminisce about the mad toilet paper rush I had just witnessed from the front lines. On a side note, do you think people know that if they are in need of that much toilet paper, they should probably see a doctor? Okay, well, that's besides the point. As an essential worker, I am tasked with dealing with difficult customers all day who are stressed and just looking for an outlet. Since working at HEB, I've had customers call me the worst names you could possibly think of. I even witnessed a customer try and spit on my manager after learning about our fresh meat limit. I have cleaned carts for eight hours straight in efforts to keep our customers safe, and I have lugged shopping carts inside on scorching Texas afternoons. And if you've never visited Texas on a hot summer afternoon, let me tell you, it's intense. My days sound like endless beeping from products being scanned all around me. They sound like squeaky shopping carts and partners all around me saying, I'm so sorry, sir or ma'am, but the limit for toilet paper is two packages per customer. But I often also hear, thank you so much for all of your hard work and for keeping us fed, which usually drowns out the noise of all of the unhappy customers. My favorite sound though is hearing my parents' voice on the phone as I make my 35 minute commute home from work. And as I am trying to fall asleep at night, all I can hear in my head are the endless amounts of produce codes I am required to know as a cashier. Bananas, 4011. Kiwis, 4030. Lemons, 4033. And the list goes on. I never imagined that this is what my reality would be like. Before this, I never realized how much people in my life played a driving force in my sanity. I mean, I always knew that I was a people person and thrived when I was meeting new people or surrounded by those I love. But COVID-19 has showed me how quickly life can change in an instant. The things we are passionate about, the people we love, our daily lives can all be taken away in a moment. This has shown me, as cliche as this sounds, how important it is to live every day as though it is our last and to be intentional with the ones we love. Although I am unsure when I will be able to see my friends or family again, I formed a new family with my fellow HEB partners that is sure to last well past COVID-19. When I first started seeing Dr. Neil, I was not really sure why I had shown up to counseling services. All I knew is that I was hurting and having a difficult time processing my emotions. 
From my years of counseling with him, we have been able to uncover the fact that there is nothing I hate more in this world than change. Like seriously, I really, 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 really hate change. I guess you could say I am a tiny bit of a control freak or, you know, maybe a super big control freak, but when discussing my anxiety with him, I would often explain that I just did not feel quote unquote normal. And I would ask him, when am I going to feel normal again? He told me that I need to adjust to what I am feeling as my new normal. Well, now I really am taking those words to heart more than ever. Quote unquote, the new normal. It seems like this is our new normal. This is my new reality. And this is life as we know it. Hello everyone, my name is Kay Blaylock, and I'm a sophomore communications major from Slidell, Louisiana. And I'm here today to talk about my story through this wild coronavirus ride. I would have to say life has changed pretty drastically for me. I never thought that I'd be a sophomore in college and having to return home and finish my spring semester in my childhood room. This was the first semester I had a lot of parts and extracurriculars on campus. I went on SPVs executive board is one of their graphic designers, and I just recently joined the Trinitiers as part of their spring 2020 PC. I also have been separated from all my friends that I have on campus, as well as my amazing girlfriend, Abby. Though through all of these, I have a few things that remain the same during this hectic time. I know online classes have taken a toll on a lot of people. However, I am thankful that being a communication major has its perks of a lot of online-focused work in the first place. Thankfully, I've not been fully impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. My family and I are in full health and have not had any loved ones get sick from this virus, knock on wood. Both my mother and my father are teachers, so they have been impacted by this and I admire them for all their hard work they have put in. My father is a professor at Delgado Community College in New Orleans, and to see him do all of his lectures and work from home definitely has helped me understand that professors at Trinity are doing the exact same thing in order to make this a seamless transition. My mother, on the other hand, is a seventh grade English language arts teacher at Montleon Junior High in Mandeville. She has been put in one of the worst situations a teacher could imagine, not actually being able to teach her children. Her school is home to a lot of underprivileged children in the area who have very little access to the technology needed to continue an online education. She continuously works on lesson plans that she uploads in hopes that all of her students will be able to at least try and continue their work on their own until things get back to normal. The societal changes have impacted me personally. I feel like due to the fact that I have been very outgoing my entire life, I would have to say that I love to be able to give my friends and family hugs and high fives. I know that's a silly thing to say, but it's definitely weird for me not to be able to go to my grandfather's, not even give him a hug whenever I leave because we want to make sure that he's as safe as possible, just in the horrible chance that one of us may be a carrier of the virus and not know. I think that being part of the Trinity community is a huge thing for me right now. I run the non-Trinity affiliated social media page at Stool Trinity through Barstool Sports as a way to unite Trinity. I have posted content daily about the school for over a year now, and I feel like it's partly my job to keep the spirits of the campus up in this weird time. 
People are in tough times right now, and I feel that with the outlet that I have, I can try and continue my daily posts I was doing at school to make them more quarantine friendly for the people to remember that everyone else is in the same boat, and we all wish we were back on campus too. I feel like I will be impacted from this for the rest of my life. I want to be able to look back at this and realize that you cannot take life for granted every day because you just never know what can happen in a day. We need to look at this historic moment and realize that the average American takes a lot of stuff for granted, like going to restaurants or stores or other places in the world and just not realize. I hope that if we can take at least one thing away from this is that we need to treat these essential workers with the same care and respect that we are right now because they have been there during this crazy time and they have always been there. I know that I will look at all these workers in the service industry and medical industry even higher than I had before. To tell you how I've been dealing with this, it's been all over the place. While we have now been taking all of our classes online with Zoom, I joke with everybody saying that I don't go to Trinity University anymore, but that I go to Zoom University. Spending hours on a computer screen has driven me to stay away from all my electronics for the most part. I have been learning to cook all sorts of things from one of our family cookbooks and we have even embraced our creative side by doing some arts and crafts every other night. In my mother's neighborhood, they have a bunch of trails throughout with hand-painted rocks from all the families that go out there. So to get into the spirit, we took a walk one evening, collected some rocks to paint. After about an hour or so of thinking, we finally had some ideas of what we were going to turn these blank canvases into. While I try and stay away from the digital screens, I think playing video games has definitely helped with the stay-at-home quarantine. Playing video games on my Nintendo Switch like Animal Crossing or my PlayStation with Call of Duty helps me kind of push away from the reality of having to stay at home all day. It's like an outlet that I know I can go on and reconnect with the friends from school that I have not talked to since we left for quarantine. And also being able to catch up with those childhood friends that you haven't talked to in a while. And just making sure that they are okay during this wild time. To wrap it up, I'd like to thank JJ and Dr. Jasinski for all their hard work they have put into this class. Trying to make it as friendly as possible during this quarantine. It truly has been an amazing experience and I can't wait to see the final product. I know that this is a crazy time, but hopefully we will be able to figure out a way to move on. And maybe, just maybe, this podcast is the first thing to do. Next, we'll hear from three students in the class, Kaylee Dundelson, Sydney Mills, and Tiffany Perez. Their stories help us take a more nuanced view of the role of social media during the pandemic. The students really rightfully point out the downsides of social media. They help us see that many social media networks perpetuate unrealistic expectations, or even worse, they can be sites for prejudice, xenophobia, racism, and hatred. But at the same time, they could be tools to help destigmatize depression and other mental health disorders, and even how these anonymous networks can help us connect with strangers in very meaningful ways. I just can't get motivated to do anything. Even when I do go out, it's just not the same. The streets are empty, and I do not have friends and family around me. And I know that's just not me who is feeling this way. Everyone has been talking about depression over social media and how they miss seeing their friends. But that does not make me feel better. I don't care 
that others are in the same situation as me. What I care about is how I can't spend Mother's Day with my mom in California since I'm stuck in Texas. I care about how I did not get to say goodbye to my friends from college now that I am graduating. I care about how my roommate had to go back to the United Kingdom immediately after spring break and how we barely had a chance to say goodbye to one another. And I care about the amount of discrimination against Asians in America because as a half Chinese, half American woman, I hear about the attacks on Asians in the news. And it's scary. We should keep in mind that this is a very stressful time for all of us. Many of us are worrying about our families, our friends, whether we'll be able to find work, what the future will look like, in addition to the million little stresses and problems of daily life. We're all experiencing this collective trauma. So many people are suffering in so many ways and our social media has made a lot of this suffering constant and difficult to escape from. Combined with our hustle culture that constantly pushes us to be productive or else you risk falling behind everybody else, we have this unhealthy environment where people feel genuinely guilty that they aren't working or creating during a pandemic. I don't want us all to feel pressured to churn out our best work right now because it's highly likely that that just won't happen. Don't get me wrong, I'm certainly not advocating for us all to abandon our responsibilities in order to start taking all-day depression naps. Staying busy can be a good coping strategy for a lot of people, and if it works for you, that's great. Since a lot of us have been cut off from our support systems, finding things to do can be the best way to deal with this extremely difficult situation. But I want us all to keep in mind that it's okay to take a step back and breathe. This past week, I had the great joy of sharing my late grandma's birthday with a stranger, this little angel. She was born on the same day, and I had seen all these drive-by parades that were watching on social media. And you know what? Something just pulled at me and said, all right, I'm going to honor my grandma. And so we did. We shared in the little joy in that little girl's life, and we gave her a gift. But you know what? Money can't buy that, and that's priceless. The moment that we saw that precious memory and the heart joy that it brought, not just to her, but her family that was out there celebrating. But because of social media and technology, this is happening. All this connection is because of social media. We are listening. Hi, my name is Niall. I'm a graduating senior, and I'm currently in my hometown of Sugarland, Texas. This is a weird time for all of us, and I just want to take a minute and talk about how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting my religious identity. I am a Shia Ismaili Muslim. This is currently the month of Ramadan, or the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. Ramadan is a holy month, and Muslims all over the world observe and celebrate this month in various ways. The month of Ramadan is sacred because Muslims believe this is when the Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Because the Islamic calendar is lunar and based on the moon, the dates of each month shift every year. During my first two years at Trinity, Ramadan was during summer break. Last year, however, Ramadan began 
during finals week. This year, Ramadan began during the last week of April. I celebrate Ramadan every year with my family, but I was really excited to celebrate Ramadan with my friends on campus. The most prominent way in which Muslims observe the month of Ramadan is through the practice of fasting. This is one of the five major pillars of Islam. All over the world, Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset every day for the entire month. This means that we abstain from food and drink, including water. To begin a day of fasting, we start with the suhoor. This is the meal that is eaten before dawn. To open our fast, we end with the iftar, or the meal that is eaten after sunset. These two practices are social events, as families and friends come together to begin and end a day of fasting. Last year, Trinity faculty and students worked together in organizing several iftar dinners, and I had a blast. I was looking forward to doing it all over again this year, and I know that everyone else was, too. Because of current social distancing guidelines, it will be impossible to host or attend iftar dinners. I suppose Zoom iftar dinners could work, but I feel like they'd be a poor substitute for the actual tradition. Still, it's the best choice we have right now, and it'll have to do. Current guidelines have also recommended that places of worship remain closed. Mosques are closed during one of the most important months of the year. Effectively, congregational prayer cannot take place. Requiring people to pray alone, away from their congregations, especially during this auspicious month, further instills emotions of isolation and loneliness. I'm lucky to have my family with me during this time, and I know that if I need to, I can reach out to my friends from Trinity. But I know that some people just don't have this luxury. This is why I'm telling you this today. I'm telling someone else's story, and it's a story worth telling. While a bunch of people are ready to go back to our ways of life and get past this virus, I don't think they are ready for the change I believe is coming. The world I know for the past 20 years is going to change. And that path I thought I'd been figuring out since elementary school has changed with it. From my young and growing perspective, I think this virus has shown the inadequacies of our society and industries. I think that a renaissance is brewing. My plan for the future is no longer to just make a living, but to make my living worth it. Our world is always changing, but this, this might be the wind in the sail. I want to make sure I do everything I can to get our future heading in the right direction. I don't know what the world will look like, especially after all this. All I know is that now is the time to be open-minded and ready to shape our new future. We've just heard an excerpt of a piece by Hunter Hauser. He helps me see how this event is really proving to be a generation-defining watershed moment. So what we might have thought of historically as being things like World War II, the Civil Rights Era, the fall of the Berlin Wall, or even for people my age, the 9-11 attacks, this is an event that's going to define his life and his generation in ways that we can only speculate. There's no going back to the way things were.
we close our featured podcast, Life as We Know It, with a heartfelt story from Rhodes Nash Evans. Delivered in the form of an audio journal entry, Rhodes draws on his life experience to bring perspective to the pandemic. Audio journals often capture intimate moments, and for our closing feature, Rhodes has truly pulled back the curtain to share an insightful personal story of perseverance in the face of dramatic change. You are gripped by a sense of dread, unlike any you have felt before, as you realize that you now have to pack all of your worldly possessions and leave the life that, until recently, you took very much for granted. And in the coming weeks, you are not sure how you will make money or even feed yourself. To many of you, this story may seem all too familiar, as many of you have had to live through it these last few weeks. But I'm actually going to tell you a story about my childhood. It's not one that I share with many people, because once you tell someone a story like this, they tend to look at you a little differently. So I ask all of you out there to keep in mind that I am still the person who I am. So without further ado, my name is Rhodes Nash Evans, and this is the story of when I was evicted. The 2008 market crash really hit my family hard. Both of my parents slowly but surely lost their businesses, and they struggled to pay for my schooling in the house. Without really any warning, one day I was picked up from school and told that our home was no longer our home. It's hard to quite describe how I felt in those moments, but I do distinctly remember a sense of being divorced from myself, as though my life suddenly wasn't my own anymore. It was someone else's life, someone else's story that I was living in. In fact, I can remember sitting at a neighbor's dining room table trying my hardest to work through a math worksheet that was now tear-soaked, and thinking, it's all going to be okay. They're going to work this out, and we'll be back home in no time. Of course, that didn't happen. We soon moved into a 1,200-square-foot shotgun-style duplex with one bedroom, and I can remember thinking at the time, that I was embarrassed and mortified, and I just wanted to find a home again. And, to be honest, I wouldn't really feel at home for many years to come. Now, of course, my story isn't all doom and gloom. My family did eventually get back on its feet. I found my way into an amazing high school and eventually an amazing college. I don't tell you this story to get your pity. I tell you this story because I feel, in the last few months, we've all been forced to live a future that we didn't think was possible. In a way, we are all that scared 13-year-old kid right now, divorced from our sense of normality. Now, we may never get back to normal, at least not as it was, but we will get back to living. But before we can get back to living, we have to understand that this is our life now, and nothing we do is necessarily going to change that. Now, I've seen a lot of people argue that this is the time to be extra productive and 
do all those things that you never had time to do. But I actually think that this is counterproductive. We tend to have this odd belief that adversity breeds success, but I find that's only true in the long run. I look back on my eviction eight years ago, and I'm actually glad that it happened, because it taught me who I am as a person, and it brought my family closer together. However, at the time, I really wouldn't have viewed it that way, and if someone had told me to make the best of it, I probably would have had quite a disagreement with them. Secondly, don't just wait for this time to pass. This is part of your life just as any other part, and if you are to gleam any kind of lesson from this, you have to live and experience it. And really, that's the moral in all of this. You are no longer living the life that you were living, but you are still living a life. Live it as best as you can, in whatever way you can, and just know that things will get better. And take it from the guy who's been through this before, it's important to take pleasure in the little things. So do me one favor and turn off this podcast, go outside, and enjoy everything. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.